that never runs dry Drink of the water, come and thirst no more For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's sing about this joy we have in the birth of our Savior, our risen King. Let's keep singing. that are singing in our choir. You guys come on up. Hey, there's multiple songs with the word bell in it. I can only think of three. Who knows a song with the word bell in it? You guys can have a seat. So, oh, go ahead. What? Silver bells. That's the one that took me forever to think of. Jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Oh, yeah. 
There we go. All those. Hark the, uh, what's the Carol of the Bells? That was a good one. I didn't think of that one last service. Someone thought of that one. Well, good morning. My name's Jacob. I'm on staff as the associate pastor. And welcome to Great Commission Church. You can see our kids' choir is getting ready. We have some special stuff planned. We have a kid's skit. They're reading the Christmas story, a sermon, and then we're going to do a candlelight lighting at the very end. It'll be a sweet moment indeed. Picked a great time. Hey, if everyone would find that ministry card, it's the welcome card in their seat. Get it out. Show everyone. I need everyone to focus on me, not the kids. Here we are. I'm up here. I got the mic, right? Hey. <laughs> I know. I'll be quick because I know the stars are right up here. We got wonderful lambs and a cow. How about that? You guys are great. Hey, fill that card out for me. A couple things that I need you to know are also in this worship guide. We have a great series starting in January called 29 Days of Promise. It's a full uh, church-wide campaign with uh, devotionals, small group material. It's going to be a great time focusing on God's promise to get us kicked off for the new year. We're going to launch all that on first Wednesday. We'll give you all the material, so don't miss first Wednesday in January coming up. You guys ready? There we go. All right, let me pray for us. God, we are thankful in Jesus' name to gather on, on Christmas Eve where we get to remember the birth of Christ, which uh, he led a perfect life and then died on the cross. We get to remember all this for the remission of our sins, and God, we're thankful for that. God, we're thankful for these beautiful kids that you've given us, and we get to sing with them and celebrate the next generation. And, and Father, we are, we are glad to gather in the presence of the saints this morning. In Jesus' name, we're thankful. Amen. All right, kids, you ready? Good. Okay, so I heard that there is a, competi a competition between the boys and the girls, and the winners get a hot cocoa party. Am I right? Who's going to win? The boys? Who's going to win? Girls? Okay. I think, I think the girls are going to win. Okay, well, prove me wrong, boys. All right, let's go. the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who rules the nature with holy thunder and leaves us breathless and all in wonder the king of glory the king above all kings
kids good job hey everybody on stage you can go down and sit on the rugs if there's other children in the room right now you can come on up forward to these rugs we're going to have a special little story being read to you so come on up if you want to morning kiddos how y'all doing what what was that yeah yeah the beard's real no no I'm not that guy I know I know bowl full of jelly I get it I get it how do you think I got this gig all right let's let's look at a let's look at the real Christmas story the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town called Nazareth to Mary betrothed to a man named Joseph. And coming to her, he said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will bear a son, and you, will name, you shall name him Jesus. He will be called, great and called the Son of the Most High. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. In those days, a decree went out that the whole world should be enrolled. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from the town of Nazareth to the city of David that is called Bethlehem. 
because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Now there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I proclaim to you good news of great joy. For today in the city of David, a savior has been born for you who is Messiah and Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. You will find the infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed. And Mary kept all these things in her heart. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and we have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled. When Herod sent the Magi to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I may go to and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out and behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. And when they opened their treasures and offered them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. And then they departed. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there. Herod is going to search for the child. And this they did. What's all this noise out here? How can anybody sleep with all of this racket? Well, who are you? What are you doing here in my stable? Are you lost? Well, if you need a place to spend the night, you're all out of luck. I gave the last little spy I had to a guy from Nazareth named Joseph and his wife Mary. I was going to send them on their way too, but they looked troubled, and she was very much uh, with child, if you know what I mean. After all I did for them, she went and had a baby. Yep, right there in the middle of my stable, stirring up all the animals. So guess who's been up all night? Right, me. More hot water, please. More towels, please. Another blanket, please. Like, what do they think this is? The Hilton? Well, I better guess. I guess I better check on the other guests. 
They keep complaining about it being so bright from the starlight coming through their windows, like I do, can do anything about that. Remember, once you rest a little, be on your way. I have no room for anyone else to stay here tonight. Hey, kids, don't mind him. He's not as tough as he really sounds. He's just a big, old, softy down deep. He's right about one thing, though. This has been a special night. You can say that again. Okay. This has been a special night. Very funny. You see, the stables are home, and we're all getting settled down to go to sleep for the night. Not me. I was having my midnight snack. Oink. <laughs> we were supposed to be going to sleep. We heard stirring around the door and saw this man and woman enter the stables. He was gently helping her because she was getting ready to have a baby. Oh, it looked like she was ready to pop. She did look very uncomfortable. The man tried to fix her bed in the straw. He came in right beside me and took up the whole stall. He had to hurry because her baby was starting to be born. i never seen a human baby born before it was some sight. I almost lost my appetite. That I'd like to see. <laughs> it was beautiful. A baby boy born right here in our home. We could all see him. We could all hear him. We could all smell him. Are you sure that was the baby? What do you mean? And the father and mother looked so proud. They had a wonderful glow about them. It seemed as though, as tired as they were, they were full of peace and love. I wanted to cry. I wanted to dance. I wanted to eat again. You know, there's something special about this baby. Even though we don't know this man, woman, and their baby, it feels right for them to be here, in our home. I believe they're glad we're here with them. They even let me touch them with my nose. Well, I think this calls for a... Oh, I pushed some more of my straw over for his bed. I gave him some of my slop. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this calls for a party. Sounds good to me. Boink. Mm. Quiet. The baby's sleeping, and the mother's resting, and the father's praying. We should all try to sail back down. It's been quiet night in our little home. Somehow, I think the night is just getting started. Oh, well, I'll try and get some rest. Okay, kids, go, you better go back to your families before the innkeeper comes back. Thanks for coming to visit us. Bye. Okay, let's try that again. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, well, my name is Jennifer Jones, and I'm on staff here at Great Commission. I have the great joy and honor of overseeing our children's ministry. And in just a few minutes, we're going to receive an offering, and I'm going to invite you to give. But before we do that, I'd like to share something with you. On a normal Sunday, over on the north side of the building, there's something going on that you rarely see, and that's because while we're all gathered in here, we have children on the other side of the building who are gathered to learn about Jesus. 
We have up to 100 kids each Sunday, and we use the Gospel Project curriculum to teach them the history of Jesus from the beginning in Genesis all the way to Revelation. And we actually have a beautifully detailed outline of our curriculum. Um, if you go down to the kids' hallway, you'll, you'll see it on the walls there. If you've not ever taken a close look at that, I really encourage you to check it out. We also do special events throughout the year to reinforce what we teach them on Sundays. And we had one of those events last week. How many of you attended the Gingerbread Bash? Woohoo! Okay, yes, it was so much fun. We had a blast. Um, we had 40 families attend over two nights, 180 people total. And out of those, 11 families do not yet have a church home. In addition to that, we had 45-plus volunteers who helped make that event possible. Events like this not only encourage, the, encourage our members and builds up the body of Christ, but it also allows us to fulfill the Great Commission by inviting more families to hear the gospel and giving them opportunities to respond. So when you give, I want you to know it not only enables, enables us to do what we do in here, um, but it also enables us to have a thriving kids' ministry, and it helps us reach out to more families who need Jesus and a healthy church home. So our children and babies may not understand how your generosity helps them learn about Jesus, but please know your gifts are making an impact now and in the future. It's a really, really big deal, and we're so grateful. So I'm going to pray now and while our ushers prepare to receive the offering. And then I'm really excited for you to check out a video recap of our gingerbread bash. Um, we had so much fun, so I can't wait for you to see it. So thank you for your offerings that make kids' ministry possible. Let's pray. <coughs> Dear Father God, thank you so much for a church that invests in the next generation. Thank you for the generosity of your people. May this offering today impact your kingdom for the glory of God and for the good of others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing one more song together before the sermon.
Give him praise, church. Lord Jesus, we will praise your name forever because you humbled yourself, became a man, was born as a baby, and, and lived a life just to die on the cross to redeem us for our sins. And we're so grateful for that. We will praise your name forever, King Jesus. Amen. You all can have a seat. Hey, I enter the pulpit with pyrotechnics in my hand because we are going to light some fires at the end of our time together today. Last night, uh, my wife, my boys, one of my brothers, my dear mom, we started kind of a new Christmas tradition. We went to the Light Garden at the City Park. Have you been to this? It was fantastic. And uh, as another local church was on stage, their praise team singing Christmas carols and reading the Christmas story and preaching the gospel at a 150-acre city park, I marveled because just six months earlier, I was in the same park we had a Christmas, uh, we had a Christian music festival there, and a few thousand people there gathered, and the gospel of Jesus Christ from a flatbed trailer was being preached open air in, in a place that I call home, because I remember in the, uh, in the mid-80s, I was a grade school lad, and they were building that park, and, and nobody at that time anticipated that it would be a place where thousands would gather in a, in a public place and hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. But last night I thought, and I get to preach that same message tomorrow morning, which is today. What a day to be here, yes? I love December 24th, my favorite day of the year. In fact, I've got a shorter sermon than normal because as soon as I finish here, I get to go and start my Christmas celebration and there are sausage balls in my immediate future. Say amen and testify, right? I mean, these are, these are good in the next 48 hours, gonna be with family and and, and friends, we're going we're gonna to open gifts, we're going to eat more than we should probably eat and celebrate. And look, God meant for us to do all of that. Uh, but first, he means for us on the Lord's Day to gather together, especially on this day, and remember the story of the, of the birth of his son and to talk about that. So here's how it's going to go. I, I, what I have today is a very boilerplate Christmas message. In Luke chapter 2. Now the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 is 20 verses long. I'm taking the last 10 and I'm, I'm you know, kind of measuring it down and truncating that today. And I'm going to tell you two things. I'm going to tell you the truth about the Christmas message. And inside of that, I'm going to give you three lists of three items. And then when that's over, I'm going to tell you some application points. What to do with the Christmas story and then we'll be done, and we're going to light candles, sing songs, and go see everybody. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah. All right, well, I'm glad that you came today. I'm Trevor Davis. I'm GCC's pastor, and it is Christmas Eve services at Great Commission. So find Luke chapter 2 in your Bible. I picked the section in Luke 2 where the angels talk to the shepherds, and the reason I chose that is 
The shepherds are more like us. They were the regular guys and gals. The shepherds were not the professional religious people, and, and they weren't always too faithful, and they didn't really know how to say it right, and sometimes they didn't have the right clothes to wear to the temple, and truth be told, they were so busy. Sometimes, sometimes they didn't even make it to the temple to, to give offerings or make sacrifices. They were the ones that wanted to know God, but their consciences were overwhelming them, and, and they just weren't all that religious. I find it very instructive that when God wanted to announce the birth of his son, that he sent a host of angels to tell people like that. And that's us. And so what the, what the angel said to the shepherds, God says to us today. So if you're ready, say yes. If you're ready, say Merry Christmas. How about that? Let's talk about the truth about the Christmas message. Here's verse 10 of Luke 2. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you three things. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So here's what I'm going to give you in the truth about the Christmas message. First, some general details, then some very specific details, and then some spiritual details. So here are the three general details that show up in the Christmas message in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The first is good tidings. Good tidings, here's what that means. That means that the story of the birth of Jesus is a very specific kind of news. Uh, I am a pastor and a police chaplain, which means that I have to deliver bad news to people all the time. In fact, I have to go to lots more funeral services than the, than the average person, and a lot of those I need to officiate over. And with a very few exceptions, people that have been sick for a long time and, and have, that, have that long goodbye, most of the people whose funerals that I preside over uh, died on a day they didn't think they were going to die. I'm talking about little kids whose caskets are this big and, and you don't need pallbearers. I've carried them across cemeteries before. And then we've rolled people out, teenagers that died in the car wreck and, and, and moms that, that had aneurysms. You, you, you name it, I've seen it. And I, here's what I know. We live in a world dominated by bad news. In fact, any, any Sunday you pick, it doesn't matter. You'll have some believers in the room and and they just got off a great week. I mean, they got the promotion at work. The kids made the A's and passed the test. And, and you got over something that was difficult. And at the same time, you always have folks who just had the, had the bomb dropped on them. And the, the deep waters are, have now exceeded their ability to stand up and breathe. And, and, and life becomes terrible. And it is no accident that God says, when you think about my son and the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ... It's good tidings. It's good news. Not only is it good news, but it's great joy. So it's, it's good tidings and great joy. That means at Christmas, God means for you to kind of get up all in your feels. That, that, that it's, a, it's an emotional time, and he means for you to feel it. When I walked in the first service this morning, um, uh, an old friend of mine, Gary Bishop, puts his arm around me, and he says, hey, uh, pastor, just want you to know, just finished the first year of first without my wife. His wife died last year, and he, he says, this Christmas will, will, will finish the list of all the first things that I go through without her. And he said, I want you to know I'm here for you if you need it. Because, see, this is the, this is the first year that anybody in my family is going to be without my dad. And he said, look, I want you to know it, it hurts, and you're going to feel it. But there are people that have been there before, and they'll be there for you if you need it. Look, it's... It's good tidings 
of great joy. And you need to feel what God wants you to feel at Christmas. And so the Christmas story kind of gives us permission to do that. Not only is it good tidings and great joy, but there's a broad audience. It's for all people. Like, I don't know how you got here today. I mean, it is Christmas. Our building fills up at Christmas and Easter uh, more often than any other days. And, and look, I love those days. I, I love preaching to a full house. I love to be able to disseminate the gospel and declare it to, to, to more people in the gray chairs. I don't know how you got here today. Maybe you came kicking and screaming. Uh, maybe somebody just put the atomic guilt trip on you uh, and, and you don't feel very religious. Maybe you feel out of place. But can I tell you, there's a God in heaven who knows the seat you're sitting in. And he has good news for the person sitting in your seat. It's a broad audience. It's good tidings, great joy for all people. Those are, those are the general details of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 give us some specific details. Read those verses. For there is born to you this day, the angel said to the shepherds, in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I'm reminded of the quote from that great preacher in England of about 150 years ago, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He says, whether in a manger or on the cross, wherever we see Jesus, we see salvation. You see, in the city of David, a savior has been born, who's Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. It's just not every day that you're walking down the streets of Bethlehem and you hear a baby cry and you go and you want to see where that cute baby is and get a look at the baby. It's, uh, they didn't have hospitals and nursery wards those days. You would never expect to find a baby sleeping in a feed trough for an animal. It's a sign to you so that you'll be crystal clear of all the babies born in Bethlehem that night, the one you're looking for is the one in the place you would never expect to find him. Here are the three specific details of the Christmas message from these two verses. First, it's personal. The verse says, there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who's Christ the Lord. We don't celebrate the birth of Jesus because religious people need another holiday. And this was not some story concocted so that religious people can gather together and have something else to talk about because Jesus wasn't born just for the whole group. He was born for specific people. There is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. <laughs> Jesus came to the person sitting in your chair. And this message is for you. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you didn't grow up in church or you didn't have Christian parents. Um, none of those are prerequisites. The details of the Christmas story is that it's to you, it's personal. It's also immediate. Uh, there is born to you this day. <laughs> Told you about all those funerals earlier. How many more days you got left? Anybody email you about that? Did you get a text message? Or... You have any idea when you're going to die? Because the angels told the shepherds that this story they're talking about was not 
happening so that later on you could consider it and do something about it? It was this day. It's immediate. The Bible says that, behold, now is the accepted time, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Behold, today is the day of salvation. I I just have to believe there's not a better day than you've ever lived than today to get your heart right with God and to make peace with him. And think about it. If you were to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ today and be transformed by God and become one of his children, next year when we all celebrate Christmas, you can just take that as, hey, the world's celebrating Jesus saving me again, and you, you won't ever forget it. Hey, Jesus saved me on Christmas Eve 2023. Easy to remember, great time to come to Christ. This day is today. It's immediate. It's personal, it's immediate, and more importantly, it's authoritative. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is Savior and Lord. And he said something so astounding at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. It it, it bears repeating, and it requires us to think about it just at least one more time. You know what he said in Matthew 28, verse 18? He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let me say that again. Jesus claimed that all authority in heaven and on earth belonged to him. I just want to tell you, Jesus is the boss of the universe. There's not a council that he's a part of. There's not a group higher than him that he answers to. All of existence is about this baby born in the manger. Jesus is Savior and Lord. He's the redeemer and the rescuer, and he's the boss and the shot caller. And the witness of the New Testament is this. Every human who's ever lived, regardless of your background, regardless of the context, regardless of your education, whether you can read or write, none of that matters. Every human who's ever lived will one day, on that day, bow their knee and confess to Jesus that he is Lord. You will not escape this. In fact, if you're only born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. What does that mean? Well, everybody's born into the world through natural means through a mom. But not everyone's born from above. Not everyone has the new birth. Jesus says, you must be born again. And unless you're born again, You'll die physically, and at the great white throne judgment, you'll die spiritually. And you'll be cast into the, 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 the lake of fire that Jesus said was made for the devil and his angels. He's Savior and Lord, and you're in big trouble, and you need to be rescued. You need him to be your Savior, and you must bow your life to him as Lord. He leaves us no alternative, and he doesn't apologize for this. So the details about the Christmas message is that it's personal, it's to you, it's immediate, it's this day, and it's authoritative because Jesus is Savior and Lord. It's the same gospel that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is the boss, and he's the redeemer. 
So I want you to understand that the message declared by the, to the shepherds by the angels is the same gospel that all of us have received, and it's the same gospel that we must preach and declare to others. Now verses 13 and 14 of Luke 2. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And here's what they said. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. First of all, God says that he sent another group of angels to be with a declaring angel. And he sent so many that he thought it was a lot. God said there's a, a multitude of the heavenly hosts. The word heavenly hosts is, is, is another way of saying the heavenly armies. And the paradox is this heavenly army doesn't make war. This heavenly army declares peace. And it's so many. By the way, did you like the, the, the children's story earlier? Wasn't that great? Frank did an awesome job and the kids. And My favorite page of that whole book was the angels in the sky and they all had beards. Did you notice? And they all looked alike, and they were all clean, you know, just well-trimmed beards. I, I go, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I bet the angels are, do everything decently and in order. I just enjoyed all the kids' stuff today. By the way, it's a little parlor trick we do as, as pastors and church leaders. If you put the kids on the stage, all, grandma, grandma, aunt, and uncle, they come to church, it just fills the building up, amen? Now you know, don't tell anybody I said it. God sent in a multitude of angels in the sky around Bethlehem to confirm this message to those shepherds and to give himself praise. And there were so many, he thought it was a lot. He called it a multitude. And from this, we get three spiritual details. Uh, here they are. Glory to God, peace with God, goodwill from God. Glory to God, peace with God, goodwill from God. I'm gonna read that again. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Look, uh, amongst all the pretty lights and green trees and beautiful gifts and wrapping paper and fantastic food and all the cards and the songs and everything that makes an American Southern Christmas great, and I love all of it, every bit of that should just hit the pause button for a moment because the Christmas story is about giving glory to God. And he should be, at least in your thoughts, if not in your prayers and in your declarations to your children and, and all of your, uh, all the traditions and things you're getting ready to do in the next 48 hours. Is it too much to tell the church, maybe, maybe don't leave God out? Because it's glory to God in the highest. Amen. Not glory to uh, all that we've done successfully this year so that we can make it a quote unquote nice Christmas. If you leave Jesus out, it wasn't a good Christmas. Yes? Is that too much? Too much to say on Christmas Eve? It's glory to God, and then it's peace with God. And I want to say to you that if you've never been born again, and if you haven't obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, God is not your friend. He's not your father. He's your worst nightmare. Because he's holy and you're rebelling against him. And there is no peace, there's hostility there. So God sends a little baby in a manger who's eventually going to go to a cross so that peace could be made and, and you could be reconciled to God. And so you can't tell the story of Christmas and you can't tell the, the message of, 
of the, the birth of the Son of God without telling the bad news. It's good tidings that offsets the bad news. And the bad news is you were not born into this world already a child of God. He's your judge, not your father. And he's right and we're all wrong. We need to be made right with him. We need peace with God. And this is what was declared at the birth of Jesus. In fact, God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. And you can be at peace with God. And at Christmas time, it's exactly the message you're supposed to hear and the one that you're supposed to do something with. Glory to God, peace with God. And don't miss goodwill from God. Here's what I think. I think that because of what Jesus did on the cross for sinners, and because Jesus rose from the dead, and because Jesus is alive today and he has accomplished all that his father assigned for him to do, because of that, even if you're not a Christian, I don't think God's mad at you. I know that the Bible says he's angry with the wicked every day. I didn't say he wasn't angry. I, I, I don't think he's mad at you in a way where he'll say to you, don't bother coming to me. In fact, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out all that the Father gives to me. And why would you say that? Because he had his angels declare in the night sky goodwill toward men. That baby born in the manger is God being good to us. So I don't want you to think that you have to come to an angry God who says, look, you're, you're on trial here. And if you fail the test, I can't, in fact, I can't wait for you to fail the test so that I can damn you forever. No, that's the world's God. The Bible God says goodwill toward men. If you come to me, I will receive you. Come on my terms, but come to me. All right, so that is the truth about the Christmas message. And I'm almost done here. The last thing I'm going to tell you is what to do with it. What to do with a Christmas story. Here's verse 15. So it was... When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, so the angels deliver the message and they leave, that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. These guys who didn't finish the eighth grade, these guys who didn't have the right clothes to go to the temple, these guys who were religious outcasts said, we just heard something very important. What should we do with it? And they, get, they huddle up and they say, well, let's at least go see for ourselves. So the first thing you do with a Christmas story is this. You investigate the facts. Let us now go and see this thing, they say to one another. This reminds me of that great quote from G.K. Chesterton who said, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found lacking. It's been found difficult and left untried. What does that mean, Pastor? Here's what it means. At Christmas time, you need to hear somebody say to you, you need to give Jesus a good once-over examination. You need to give the Christian faith and the message of the gospel, at least go look at it. At least go check it out. At least go try it. Did you know that all the difficult questions, and I mean every one of them, that the world says the Christian faith fails on. Every single one of them are answered in this book very clearly. And if you just go look at it, you'll find out 
the answers. This book tells you how the world was created. It tells you the age of the earth. This book tells you the, the problem of evil and the solution to it. Um, this book answers the question, and the Christian faith has apologetic answers too. Is the Bible even reliable? Should we read it? How is it different from any other ancient literature? Wasn't it just written by men and, and, and some big conspiracy? Isn't it full of errors? Can I tell you, all that's been answered, you just have to go investigate. You see, it is so unlikely that anyone last week thought up the question, that's gonna bring Christianity crashing down. They've been trying for 2,000 years. Go and see this thing. Verse 16. So after you investigate the facts, verse 16, and they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So they hurried up, and they went to look, and they found it just like the angels said they would find it. But I want you to look at the words with haste. You see, not only do you need to investigate the facts, the, the other thing you do with a Christmas story is you do not delay. Maybe you got a good Christmas sermon last Sunday before Christmas and you thought about it and it was okay and it stirred you, but you, it was failure to launch. You just didn't do anything with it. My question is, how many more times do you think God has given you to say no to him before he finally says, then I won't come back and ask you again. Now, are you still procrastinating receiving Jesus? Do not delay. And the reason I tell you that is because of what C.S. Lewis said. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And so maybe, just maybe, you're trying to stay right in the middle. Man, I want enough Jesus on the holidays, on the special days, and, and when, the, when the sun's shining, when there's not a ball tournament or, or the lakes, you know, the, 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 it's storming that day. And there's, when, I, when I don't have a better offer, I'll go present myself to Jesus. I'll just stay right in the middle. I'll waver between two opinions. And the Christian faith to you is just kind of important. It can't be that. Look, Jesus is either liar, legend, lunatic, or Lord. I say that he's Lord. But in the case that he's not, he's just been lying to everybody and duping them, and billions of people have believed his lies for this long. You see, with Jesus, it's all or nothing. Don't delay. And in Luke 2, 17 and 18, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by them, told to them by the shepherds. The third thing you do with the Christmas story is you share the news with others. When the shepherds saw that there was a babe lying in a manger and a mother and a father in a nativity scene, they said, by Jove, those shepherds were right. And it would be criminal if we kept this to ourselves. And so they went and told folks, hey, God appeared to us with his angels in the sky and told us about his son, and he's born right over there, and we went to see him, and he was there, and it was, it was just like they said, and, and you need to go see this too. So you share the news with others. 
They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Now let's talk about Mary. Verse 19. But Mary, the mom, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I trot this one out every Christmas, this uh, quote from Matthew Henry that he gave us 500 years ago in English about Mary. As she had silently left it to God to clear up her virtue when that was suspected. So she silently leaves it to him to publish her honor. Now, when it was veiled, and it is satisfaction enough to find that if no one else takes notice of the birth of her child, angels do. Mary kept all these things in her heart. In the last verse today, Luke 2.20, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard as it was told them. I love that the Christmas story ends in doxology because what else should we do with it? We should praise God for it. You see, it's good that we've been singing songs to Jesus today. It's good that we're going to end singing him praise. That's what the shepherds did after they heard the message, verified it for themselves, told others about it, when they said the conclusion of the whole matter is we should praise God for this. He's worthy to be praised. What's next for me? On your card there, second box says trust Jesus for the first time. What should I really do with this message? What I've been urging you to do for the past 20 minutes? It's obey Jesus' gospel today. It's receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior in this room in the next few moments. Well, how do I do that? Well, look, I don't believe there's a magic prayer, but I do believe the Bible when it says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved from their sins, Romans 10, 13. And I'm not real clear on all the ways you call out to God, but I know one way is praying. And so if you've been stirred today, if you've been arrested by the scriptures, not by some slick thing I've said, but if, if it just felt like God was reading your mail and this was tailor-made for where you are in your life, and if, and if God put the big mirror up beside you and what he's shown you is someone that he loves that hasn't become one of his children yet, if that's you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray a prayer in your heart. I'll kind of give you some things to say and mean it and watch God transform you. And if he does, if you call on his name and he rescues you today, nobody will have to twist your arm to get you to be baptized, to get you to get a Bible and start reading it, to join with other saints of God and have a local church and, and become a Christian. The, the, those things happen in rapid succession after you obey the gospel. So at our church, we just want to give you an opportunity to do that. And if you do, I'm going to ask you to write your name and a way to for us to get in contact with you and mark that second box, trust Jesus for the first time because there's some Bibles and some literature and some things we want to get in your hand. There's no obligation, but we can help you in your journey toward eternal life. Would you bow in prayer with me today? If it's you who needs to call on God to become a Christian right now, here's what you, you say something like this. Lord Jesus, I just found out about you. I just learned that your Lord I just learned that all authority in heaven and on earth belong to you. 
I just learned that one day I'm going to confess you as my Lord, whether I obey your gospel or not. Jesus, I just learned you're the only person who can make me right with your Father. So Jesus, I call on your name. I receive your sacrifice on the cross for my sins. I call on you to rescue me, to be my Lord and my Savior. I turn away from my old life of rebellion against you. And I gladly come before you, asking you to make me one of the sons of God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Amen. Mark that card, put it in the, one of our collection boxes, and we'll help you. Now let's light some candles and honor Jesus. So if you'll find a candle, we've got some more back there if you need one. Why are we doing a candlelight service? Well, because they're cool, but also because it illustrates a couple of things that Jesus said. In John chapter 8, verse 12, you know what Jesus said about himself? He said, I am the light of the world. And I think, that's great. Jesus is the light of the world. But then, in the Sermon on the Mount, he turns it toward us, his, his disciples, and he says, not only am I the light of the world, Matthew chapter 5, you're also the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And look, check this out. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so today, we're going to light these candles and remind ourselves Jesus is the light of the world, then he's made us the light of the world. And we have a responsibility to let our light shine. Now here's how we're going to do it. In just a moment, I'm going to come to people at the end of the rows, and I'm going to light their candle, and then they're going to light the candle of the person next to them, and then that person's going to light the candle of the person next to them all the way down the row. And then when you get to the end of your row, you turn and light the first person on the row behind you, and it's just going to start over here, and it's going to go way back. And look, there was a little difficulty in the first service. Sometimes people don't follow directions. And so... If that happens, you just be a problem solver and you just stick your candle over there and get yours lit some way. Amen? We're going to get this done. And it's going to be a very, um, very solemn moment, very beautiful moment. And then at the end, when we get all the lights, uh, when we get all the candles lit, Blair's going to have a stand. We're going to sing some praise to God and we'll be finished. I'm so glad that you came today. Let's take those lights down now.
stand and sing some Christmas carols together.
although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. You are dismissed. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.